0: at God's word, I want to invite Keith to come and pray
1: for me. Quite a, day today. Yeah. a day today, isn't it? Yesterday we're at the men's breakfast, which by the way is available to anybody that wants to come, second and fourth Friday of every month. I met Paul in here and he says, Jesus got quite a day tomorrow. He says he's got four baptisms, <clears throat> a baby dedication. He says, Keith, your job as an usher is to make sure everybody stays here." because it might be about five hours today (laughs) so just rest assured if you got a turkey in the oven because there's lots of people here uh with family and stuff there's a turkey in the oven it'll be well done so you're all right right (laughs) please bow with me and we'll pray for paul today our heavenly father we thank you so much for this day you've given us thank you for watching over us thank you for paul and for what you've given him to speak to us about today we just pray that you'll anoint him And uh, let him feel your hands on him. And open our ears and eyes so that we can hear what you have to say through Paul. In your name, amen. Thank you, Keith.
0: (laughs) We're not going to keep you that long. Um, If you were with us on Friday, um, we looked at the first part of the Easter event, the Last Supper Betrayal, the trials, the, the crucifixion, and Christ ending up in the tomb. That's where Friday ends. There's an in-between Saturday, which um, we'll talk about in a second, but uh, today is Sunday. And I want to finish that other part of that this morning for you. I want to start with a story, though, of a missionary, um, a missionary who, uh, his name was Sam Boyle. Sam Boyle went to Japan uh, to be a missionary. He had a passion, passion for the gospel. In fact, he just, he wanted to preach the moment he got there. What you may or may not know is Japanese is considered one of the hardest languages in the world to learn. It's not easy. There's so many variations. There's so many levels of it that uh, you just don't pick it up really quickly or fast. And so he was struggling, wanting, wanting to get this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ out, but unable to do it with his own words. And so um, he decided he was going to find someone who could translate for him. And I don't know if you've ever been in a setting where there's a translator, but you speak a sentence or two, and that person translated, then you do another sentence or two and translate that. And uh, he looked around, and he found a, a, a man who was teaching in one of the schools, and he was teaching English. Now, this man had no idea about Christianity, he had no background, he didn't know a thing about it, but it was an extra job. And he could make a little bit of money on the side. And so, well, why wouldn't you? And so they started holding services. And, and Sam would gather people together. And then, and then they, would, they would have a bit of music like we sometimes do. And then Sam would start to preach. And he would do a phrase. And then this man would translate it. Phrase. And, it, it, and, and for the first two services, it was going pretty good. But something happened in the third service. Sam had come to the place of talking about Christ's death and resurrection. And and uh, his his translator was translating him through the serv- service and then and then Sam came to the place where 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 he was he turned to the people and said and Jesus rose from the dead. At that moment the translator's face just went blank. And he looked at Sam and then he, and he looked at the people and then he looked at Sam and, and he, said, he said, did you just say that he died and was buried and that he rose from the dead? So of yeah, that, that's what I'd like you to translate. Translator looked at him and he says, that's impossible. They, they, they won't believe you. I've thought a lot about that over the years because the reality is we have a world that doesn't quite believe that. And so this morning, I just want to take a few minutes to walk you through the gospel testimony. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then later in Corinthians, we have accounts of the resurrection of Christ. If, uh, if, if you remember where we were last week, there was kind of two attitudes going on at that very moment. The disciples, even though Jesus had, Jesus had said several times before he died, he says he says, they will mock me, they will insult me, they will spit on me, they will flog me and kill me. And on the third day, he will rise again. He told his disciples, and it was like it just went right past them and they didn't hear it and they didn't believe it. So when the cross came and when Christ went to the cross and died and they carried his body to the tomb and they wrapped his body in, in cloth and they placed the tomb and rolled the... St- they were in absolute shock and disbelief. They had walked with him for three years. They had some seen him do the miraculous. They had seen him, him raise the dead and heal the sick and, 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 and still the storm. And it was all over. Now, there was another group at that time that you would think were rejoicing. The Pharisees and the Sadducees hated Jesus. They were the religious leaders. And in that culture, it's both religious and political. They had the power. Now, they were controlled by Rome, but, but they had the power, and Jesus was a threat to that power. And so they had conspired. They had sought to destroy Jesus. Jesus. And you would think they would be celebrating, but they weren't. They were afraid because they remembered what Jesus had said on the third day, He's going to rise. Now, they had seen Him do the impossible again and again and again. And so they went to Pilate and they arranged and they had a seal put over the stone. And that, that's a rope that's, that's, that's strung on either side and then this hardening clay is put into the stone. And if you break a Roman seal, literally you sign your death warrant. And so the seal was put there and then for three days, Roman soldiers were placed upon it by Pilate. They were guarding a tomb. Now you can see some of those soldiers kind of rolling their eyes like, Really? That's what happened. And then Sunday came. Now, I, I want you to understand Sunday was filled with confusion. It, it, it's interesting. There's, there's a book out there. It was written by J. Warner Wallace. I don't know if you've ever heard of this book. It's called A Cold Case of Christianity. Wallace uh, was, was a, a detective in California, California, he oversaw a group of, of detectives who are homicide detectives. And, and, and so when they were doing an active case, he was involved in it, looking for evidence, finding out who did it, charging them, all of that. But he also worked on what he called cold cases, those cases they'd never found an answer for. And he had quite a bit of success looking at, at, at crimes that had been taken, done years ago and taking the evidence and pulling it together and literally finding out who was charged to be charged Wallace was also a Christian and he decided to take the evidence of Christ and look at the death and the resurrection and he came up with a conclusion that these witnesses were true and Jesus had risen from the dead with all the evidence there was but he also said something very interesting he says, if you, get, if you get six or seven witnesses coming in about a case and they tell you the exact same story with the exact same words and the exact same phrases and, 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 and the exact same timeline and from, the, from their different perspectives, the exact same, he says, you know, they're lying. He says, but you, if you get six others come and, and one was over here and one was over here and one was over here and one saw it from this angle. He said, you will hear six different stories, different versions. They'll all be consistent in the middle, but but there'll be various aspects because of the angles they're looking at or the perceptions they're looking at. And he said, if you see some inconsistencies, you will see that it's a tr- they're true witnesses. They're telling the truth. When you get to this, story of Jesus you'll find little issues that are different in all four accounts from just different perspectives from different angles and 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 so as we listen to it Wallace's conclusion was this is evidence that it's true now let me just walk you through the story today the disciples are discouraged defeated They have no clue that Jesus is going to come back, even though he's told them that. The the Pharisees are terrified of, of, of him coming back, and they've taken steps to make sure this doesn't happen. It's Sunday morning, really, really early. So if you know the Jewish culture, they had Passover on Thursday, and then on, on, on the Sabbath starts Friday evening at 6 o'clock and goes all the way to Saturday evening at 6 o'clock. And during that time, no stores are open, no, no, nothing can be sold, nobody can work, no one can do anything. And these women were concerned because they had, they had taken Christ body down from the cross they had washed it as much as they could. they had put some spices on it because that's what you do and then they had wrapped the body and 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 laid it in the tomb and then put they take a square piece of cloth and they fold it and they place it over over the dead person's face and they'd done that but there were still other things to do but they'd run out of time and so they got pushed out of the tomb and the rock was closed now this rock is huge tons These women were committed to finally finishing Jesus' preparation for death. They loved him. They had walked with him. They had supported him in every possible way, financially and presence and work and all of those things. They were going to finish. And so they got up really early. They got the things that they needed to do, and they went toward the tomb. Now, please don't miss this. They had no expectation of a resurrection. As far as they were concerned, Jesus was dead. When they were going to that tomb, the discussion, the question they were talking about to each other is, well, how do we get into the tomb? This massive rock that takes numerous men to roll it back up. How do we get that rolled back up and then get into the tomb and finish and then get it rolled back down? How do, how do we, uh, We'll be allowed to break the seal? And, and all of this discussion was going on. And say, how do we do this? We, we, we need to do this. We want to do this. But how do we do this? Now, what's happening at the same time is surprising to them. As they're walking, an event starts to take place. If if you uh, follow the various Gospels, you'll see in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew talk about the fact that that, uh, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and an angel came down and took this massive rock and threw it aside, breaking the seal. Now, if you put some of the other Gospels together, the soldiers, the Roman soldiers are there sitting watching. They are terrified and they faint in fright. Now, please don't miss that. These are Roman soldiers. These are the most brave, courageous, uh, fearless soldiers around. They would just go into battle, whether they died or not. It was their, they, they they had abs- and they were terrified because God's presence was there, and they fainted. They get up, and now we're, this isn't recorded, but they get up and they look into the tomb, and the body is gone. And they're terrified. They have failed at their duties. Literally, if the Romans were to do what they're supposed to do, these men would all be put to death. And they, they try to figure out what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? If we go back and tell Pilate, if we tell our commander what we're we gonna do, let's go to the religious leaders and see if they can help us, those Jews, those guys that wanted Jesus dead, sent us here. Let's go and so they run off to that. Now eventually they're bribed and they tell lies. But as the women are coming, the soldiers are leaving and when the women walk into this area where this tomb is it's empty there's no soldiers the seal this cord is laying on the ground this this rock is thrown off to the side and the tomb is open now they're they're they're, they're confused did we get the right place? Yes, this is the right place. I remember this place. This is the right place. And, and and although we're not told this, they look into the tomb and see that Jesus' body is gone. As as they're in the in the tomb, depending on the on the on the gospel account, one angel or two angels start speaking to them. Now this is fascinating. Because the first words of Jesus rising from the dead didn't come from the disciples, didn't come from other believers, came from an angel. What are you looking for? Jesus has risen from the dead. You need to go and tell the disciples this. I don't don't know how you would feel about it, but, but, but these women are absolutely transformed. They have been perplexed as they've come to this place, but suddenly this news absolutely transforms them and they're absolutely thrilled. They they're ready to rush off and and get back to the disciples and tell the disciples that Jesus is and so 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 they go to tell these disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead. They would have looked in the tomb. They would have seen the tomb. Now, this is interesting for those who love the details, because if you would have looked into the tomb, this is what you would have seen: the the, the cloth that had wrapped around Jesus. It was it was it, when you start to see how it's described and explained. It's like a balloon with all the air just kind of let out slowly. Have you ever seen a balloon? It's all been stretched out, and then the air and it just lay, and, and it's like. And, and this cloth is still wrapped. And it's like the body has disappeared through it. Why is that significant? Because if someone had stolen the body, they wouldn't have bothered taking the cloth out and rewrapping it. They probably couldn't even have done that. No one stole that body. And the cloth, the cloth was laid there and it had been folded really nicely. And so they run out and, 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 and run back to Jerusalem and run to the upper room where the disciples are moping and depressed and sad because Jesus is dead. And say, so he's alive, he's alive. And they tell about the angel and, and they tell about the empty tomb and they tell about the rock and they tell about the cord and tell about all of those things and disciples don't believe them. See, one of the things that's interesting in the story is, is these men of faith didn't believe at first. And in fact, as I started going through the story, I started to realize that, 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 that God intentionally brought them step by step, step by step to understand. Now let me go back and be really silly. Do you remember when you were a kid and you used to play hide and seek? And when you played hide and seek, you know all the, all the little guys would go run and hide and there was always this one kid who knew how to hide better than anybody else in the world. And, and we'd find everybody else but this one kid. And, and, and then finally, as you're kind of walking around, you can't find him and you give up and suddenly he jumps out and says, see, I'm here. Thinking about that today, I was thinking how oh, Jesus didn't do that. The disciples didn't come back to the tomb and Jesus jumped out from behind a tree saying, see, I'm here. He didn't. He started slowly walking them step by step by step till they believed. Here's some evidence. Here's some evidence. Here's some evidence. Here I am. The tomb's empty. The stones throw it away. The cloth is there. The angel says it first step. The women come running back and saying he's, he's alive and angels told us they didn't believe it but that's the second step. And, and I started to go through this and I started to realize in his graciousness he allowed these shocked tra- traumatized people to slowly start to understand. In fact it's amazing all the things that he, he, he did. He began with both Mary Magdalene and the women John talks about Mary Magdalene seeing Jesus alone remember that confusion thing and 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 Matthew talks about them a group of women now that those can be under, over described and explained because because sometimes in the gospels you will have one speaker and they're highlighted as if they're an individual even though there's a group but they both proclaim that Jesus has risen then there's two men on the road to Emmaus they they are not part of the 12 they're a, a beyond that and they've been listening to the women talk and they've been listening to the, the disciples disagree and they get up and start walking toward their hometown because things are over maybe the women are telling us ah, probably not And uh, you, you, you see that and then they're discussing it you all know, the way Jesus joins them and then they sit down for a meal and he breaks the bread the moment he breaks the bread like in the Lord's Supper they see him They run back and tell the disciples, he's alive, we've seen him. Then Jesus, in the midst of them, appears to these 10 disciples. Judas isn't there, or uh, Thomas isn't there. He's away doing something. Now it's interesting what Jesus adds to this. See, they would have thought, well, maybe it's ghost. But Jesus says, I I want you to... uh, I want you to give me some bread or some fish to eat. And, they, and, and ghosts don't eat. And he ate before them, and they touched him, and they saw his wounds and all of those things. Now, several days later, Thomas is there, and he appears again. He goes even further. He says, Thomas, I want you to put your hands in my scars. Mm-hmm. But he did and so there's touch and there's see and there's there's and all of those things are added up now later on it describes and it tells us that peter met with jesus personally one on one it's not recorded in scripture other than the event took place also you'll see that jesus appeared with him in galilee Matthew really emphasizes, you've got to go up to Galilee to be with Jesus. They get up, and if you remember, they're fishing, and, and they got nothing all night, which seems to be Peter's fishing skills. And, 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 and then Jesus is throw it in the other side. The, the nets are filled. Peter realizes, dives in, and it's Jesus. Jesus is cooking, and Jesus is present, and Jesus is teaching, and they are with him. Then there's other times. James, the half-brother of Jesus, sees Jesus. Paul later will say, and I saw one Jesus on the Damascus road totally different than all the others. In fact, as Paul is writing later on, he starts to say this fascinating phrase. He, said, he says, and by the way, if you have a doubt that Jesus rose from the dead... I can bring almost 500 different people, disciples, the women, the other people who are following Jesus. I can bring other 500 who at once saw Jesus alive. Most of them, he says, are still living. But some have fallen asleep, which is the Christian way of saying die. The message the gospel writers want to tell us is that Jesus has risen from the dead. He is now alive, and they believed it. Now, I could take you for hours further on. I could take you to the various disciples who gave their life for this belief. I could take you to church fathers and, and historical events where Christian after Christian after Christian said, I believe. Chuck Swindoll tells us an interesting little story. When he was a kid, he grew up in Texas, and he said he said uh, they lived near a, a, an old church, and that old church had had a kind of a rocky uh, driveway, and and when it would rain, it would fill the water would fill in these little pools all over, and he said the locusts would come. And he says that he didn't understand at all. But the locusts once a year will shed or molt their, their 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 outer shell, and 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 so this, if you go there the day after, you'll see all of these husks of locusts all over the place. There, they, but when you when you look at them, it looks like a real locust until you pick it up, and see it's so light and. And it's absolutely empty, as this uh, locust has crawled out of its out of its shell and left that behind, and is now alive somewhere else. Jesus is alive. That's the Christian story. This I believe. Jesus would say this while he was teaching. He he looked at them and he said, "What man sees as impossible, remember what that Japanese man said." What man sees as possible with God, all things are possible. We do not serve a dead Savior. We serve a risen Lord. And I want to just leave you with that thought today. Um, would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, I, I, this is so simple, and yet we need to be reminded that we are not following one who's in a grave, there's other religions that have people in graves, followers or starters of their religion, but Jesus is not in his grave. It is empty, for he has been risen unquestionably, without doubt. I would ask that you would allow this step of faith in each of our lives to drive us deeper into following him day by day, for we serve a risen Lord. And ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.